covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us as we are here for another week's worth of Milwaukee Brewers talk. A lot to get to this week on the podcast. First off, let's get all of our housekeeping items out of the way here at the top of the program. If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so. Best way is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can uh, also, if you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and want to uh, subscribe, if you don't already subscribe, and also leave a ranking and review, that would go a long way towards more people finding this podcast and we would be very, very, very appreciative of you being able to do those things. On the podcast this week, we are going to be joined by Greg Hill. Now, it kind of organically started a couple weeks ago when I had WTMJ Sports producer Ashton Rotman uh, on the program. And then the next week I had Scott Warris, and I started to realize he's also of WTMJ. I started to realize that I'm kind of rolling through all the guys that used to host the WTMJ Tripod podcast. Say that three times real fast. And uh, so I'm just sticking with it. I'm going to go through all four guys. So we got Greg this week, Greg Hill. He is also uh, the producer of Brewers X Drinnings. So I'll have a conversation with him. And if all uh, goes according to plan, and I haven't asked him yet, but I think he'll probably say yes. If all goes according to plan, we'll have Justin Garcia on next week, especially now that his uh, Bucks duties have uh, come to an end for the year in terms of uh, hosting pre and post and everything on the Bucks Radio Network. We'll see if he wants to have a little bit of a Brewers conversation next week. Speaking of the Bucks and, and the Packers, for that matter, we're going to sneak in. Just be listening. We're going to sneak in a little Bucks talk. And we're going to sneak in a little Packers talk before this show is over. I know it's a Brewers podcast, but uh, it's organically going to kind of pop in every once in a while during this podcast uh, today. So it's a little bit different than normal, but uh, we will certainly uh, we'll, we'll have some fun with it coming up in just a bit. So uh, Greg Hill, social media conversation. Chris Marion is going to join us this week. We uh, are back to uh, single A in terms of uh, talking to the various team broadcasters throughout the Brewers minor league. League system. So Chris Marion, the voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, he's going to join us coming up in just a bit when we go down on the farm. As I open up the podcast, I want to touch on just a couple quick things. First off, I don't want to harp on umpires. I do not want to harp on umpires. They've got a really tough job. It's getting tougher with the advent of technology where the scrutiny over their calls is even tougher because we can really figure out whether or not they made the right call. And as much as I might get on umpires on an occasion, I I recognize and I understand they've got a tough job to do, and more often than not, they do make the right call. But we are also I think there is an I think there is an issue that at some point needs to be worked out. It's sooner than later. And one of the most frustrating things for me in watching baseball, in loving the game of baseball the way that I love it, it's really frustrating that it seems like baseball, specifically Commissioner Rob Manfred, focuses on stuff you don't need to focus, focuses on things that really aren't a problem. Is it really an issue that so you have a, a relief pitcher that comes in to face a left-handed bat? Is that that's part of baseball? Is that really an issue? No, it's not an issue. Where, you know, there are some things that I do think are issues. I think the replay system is a joke, and kind of in the same area but different. I think there has to be uh, a lot more communication and a lot more transparency when it comes to Major League Baseball umpires and. The Brewers had a run-in over the course of the weekend with Mike Estabrook. On Saturday's game, there were a couple pitches that were clearly outside the zone. And look, if if there's one of those 50-50 pitches, in fact, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I you know we, we when I'm sitting at Miller Park, uh, the TV broadcast of the Brewers game is on probably like a five-six second delay of what actually happens in real life, and I'll be watching the game. And there will be a pitch that 
he's either called for a strike that I think is a ball or a pitch that's called for a ball that I think is a strike. And I'll look up to my left on the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast, and I know the strike zone that they put on the broadcast is not the scientific exact strike zone, but it's close. And a lot of times those pitches that I thought were called incorrectly, a lot of times they're called correctly, or at the very least, maybe it's just barely off the zone or just barely is touching uh, the zone, whatever it might be. So I think more often than not, umpires get it right. Now, Mike Estabrook did not get it right on Saturday. Uh, During a Lorenzo Cain at bat with Christian Yelich on deck, where if Cain reaches, Yelich represents the tie and run, he clearly, he clearly misses two pitches that were way outside the zone, way outside the zone, and he calls them for strikes. And it was not a case of a catcher doing a good job of framing the pitch. It was not a case of it being a a closer call than I'm giving it credit for right now. It was a blown call twice in the same at-bat in a huge moment in the game. I'm not one to blame games on officials ever. Umpires, refs, officials, whatever it might be, doesn't matter what the sport is. It's I think it's a very lazy narrative to blame games on officials. So much other can they contribute? Yes, they can. But to sit here and say had referee or umpire X not been officiating, umpiring this game, team B would have won. Like no, I don't do that. It just you it that does not happen. But they do impact games. A Mike Estabrook really had an impact on that game on Saturday that the Brewers end up losing. And earlier in the game, he threw out Ryan Braun, and it didn't seem like Braun was walking away. Players will say things under their breath walking away. I, I don't know exactly what Braun said, but it, it, seemed like, it, it seemed like there was a quick hook there. And then you fast forward to Sunday. There was a check swing call with Moustakis at the plate, and he got rung up. And he tried to have a conversation with Mike Estabrook, who was positioned at third when Moustakis went to go take his uh, position in the field. And Estabrook wouldn't even have a conversation with him. It is a very, very, very normal thing for umpires to be talking with players on the field. So you just you, you kind of take all that together and you see an umpire who clearly missed some ball strike calls on Saturday had a short fuse on Ryan Braun, had a short fuse on Mike Moustakis. And it just, you can't have weekends like those. You can't have uh, performances like those from Mike Estabrook. You just can't. And that's what Major League Baseball has to fix. And I don't know if the answer is the automated strike zone. You got the computer calling balls and strikes. I don't know if that's the answer. A year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I would have said absolutely not. I don't want that. I've I've come around on it a little bit. In fact, I would predict that within 10 years we're going to see that. They're going to be uh, investigating and implementing it and, and trying it out a bit uh, in one of the independent leagues this upcoming season, and we'll see uh, what that looks like. I think the season is underway, but uh, they haven't started using the automated strike zone quite yet. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's I think it... It almost has to happen at this point as strike zones continue to be more and more inconsistent uh, for for umpires, and it's just it's I I feel bad for every other major league baseball umpire when a Mike Estabrook has a game like that. You know, if you're on Twitter, the hashtag Ump Show is out there, and it's basically uh, alluding to a moment where an umpire is kind of bringing attention upon themselves, making bad calls, yada yada yada. And we saw that, and it's not good. It's not good for the game of baseball, and I would really like to see Major League Baseball figure that out. One last thing before we get to our headlines of the week. I want to focus on Sunday for just a moment longer because of the performance from Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Woodruff threw eight innings on Sunday. He gave up one hit. It was a home run, so he gave up a run, but he gave up one hit. Because it's not a no-hitter, because it's not a shutout, because it's not a complete game. I don't think that Woodruff's performance is going to get the credit that it deserves. But here's a note that the Brewers passed out after the game, and I think this says everything you need to know. Sunday's game marked the first time in Brewers history 
where the opponent reached safely just once. So reaching safely is a hit, a walk, or a hit by pitch. First time ever in Brewers history where the opponent reaches safely once in the game. Eight innings, one hit. The one hit happened to be a home run. So it's not a shutout. It's not a perfect game. It's not a no-hitter. Because because it wasn't any of those things, Woodruff didn't come back out for the ninth inning. They allowed Matt Albers to come back out. Uh, here's, Here's the other thing. Every inning when the Brewers were in the field ended with a strikeout. Brandon Woodruff had a career high uh, 10 strikeouts and eight of those strikeouts came on the third out of an inning. And then Matt Albers was able to get a strikeout for the final out of the game as well. So every single time an inning came to an end with, uh, with the Phillies at the plate, it was via the strikeout. That's, a, that's an all-timer. For me, that's an all-timer from Brandon Woodruff. I hope he gets credit as time moves along and we look back at some of the best pitching performances from a from a Brewers pitcher. Look, I know you can be a prisoner of the moment. I am guilty of it. I and I'm not going to run away from the fact that I can be a prisoner of the moment. I think we all can be. But when you when you really dig in a bit on Woodruff's performance on Sunday, that's an all-time great pitching performance from a Milwaukee Brewer. And good on Brandon Woodruff on that. All right, coming up on the program again during our social media conversation, we're going to have uh, WTMJ's Greg Hill. He is the producer of Brewers Extra Innings, so he's my producer for uh, that show. And uh, formerly was part of the WTMJ Tripod, which is why he's on this week, because we're having some fun here over uh, a few weeks of the program. And then Chris Marion is going to join us in just a bit. But right now, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. The Brewers this week reinstating Jimmy Nelson from the injured list. However, he does not come to the big leagues. Instead, he goes to AAA San Antonio. Uh, This is kind of a uh, sort of two things going on right here. First off, from a starting pitching perspective, the Brewers have a pretty good run of starting pitching right now. So that's good. There's not a clear spot that you would put Nelson in. And then secondly, it's it's not the worst thing in the world to just continue to let him pitch uh, at San Antonio and get some more innings under his belt. Sounds like he's going to pitch every sixth day, not every fifth day. So that's going to save him a few innings as well over the course of the year. Uh, David Stearns, Craig Council being very clear, very, very clear that Jimmy Nelson is going to be a contributor at the big league level this year. Uh, Brewers are still trying to figure out first base. We've seen a little bit more Eric Thames recently uh, at first base. Uh, According to Craig Council, that's more because they keep facing uh, right-handed starters than anything else. But right now, they're just not getting the the production at first base that they they need to get. Uh, Thames is doing a little bit better. Uh, right now, the numbers look like this. Uh, Eric Thames is hitting 234. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, 195. Uh, Eric Thames, in terms of home runs, uh, Thames is uh, currently sitting at five home runs, 20 RBIs. You've got uh, Jesus Aguilar, who is at three home runs, 22 RBIs. So you're, just, you're not getting the production for first base. And either one of those guys is going to have to turn it on and they're, they're going to find something else to uh, to do at first base. You always think that Travis Shaw might be the answer there, but Shaw, who is uh, technically on a rehab assignment at AAA San Antonio, but he was not performing real well at the big league level. And I think the Brewers also look at this not only as a rehab assignment, but for him to find that swing. Uh, so far, it has not gone especially well for Shaw in four games at AAA San Antonio. He's hitting 125, no home runs, no RBIs. Uh, he has struck out five times. He's walked twice. His on-base is 222. His slugging is 125, so that means all-base hits so far. OPS is 347. Just not good yet. 
not good. And I, I don't think they're going to be calling him back up, and I don't think they're going to be reinstating him off the injured list, which is technically what it would be if he's hitting 125 at AAA. So he's still trying to find that bat, and it's all kind of interconnected to third base right now, especially with uh, Keston here around. I don't think they'd be against sending Keston here back to AAA uh, if it if it makes sense. If you have a Jesus Aguilar and a Travis Shaw who are both swinging it pretty well, then you probably send Keston here back. But if those guys are not, uh, Hira probably sticks around. I mean, he's, he's had a pretty solid at bat. He's not, he's not wowing you, but he's not doing anything that's uh, embarrassing himself either at this point in time. Christian Yelich got a little bulky in the back this past week. He missed a couple uh, games with a back issue. Uh, this, uh, this was a little bit different than the previous back issue, but just something to monitor. Uh, So he missed Tuesday and Wednesday's game. He was at a Bucs game, and he actually chugged a beer. There was this thing with uh, David Bakhtiari of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and then Christian Yelich was kind of thrown in there as well doing uh, some beer chugging. He actually joked around the next day saying when he chugged that beer, he knew he was going to have to be in the lineup the next day. Manny Pena, if all goes well during a uh, kind of a workout and just testing the uh, right hamstring on Monday, he'll head to uh, Appleton and play with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers for uh, four days starting on Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Chris Marion coming up later on in the program. Uh, and then just some uh, individuals that we were not planning on seeing in all likelihood. Maybe one of the guys we might have been able to see this year, but guys who are not uh, really part of the Brewers Major League roster at this point, but some notes about them. Corey Ray, who's the Brewers' number two prospect, he's currently on the injured list at AAA San Antonio. He has a right middle finger injury, and uh, he is expected to miss somewhere between four and six weeks. So that's going to take a big chunk of his season out due to injury. That's not something that he wanted. A lot of people keep asking about Brett Lori, Adam McAlvey of uh, Brewers.com uh, talked to David Stearns about him this past week, and uh, the quote from Stearns was, Brett continues to progress through baseball activities. The next step will be full-scale running, sprinting, stopping, starting, cutting, all the things you have to do on a baseball field. The goal here is to get through that over the next couple weeks. Once we get through that, you can really begin to start talking about affiliate placement. So he's still, he's still a ways away from even going to an affiliate. I would be surprised if he sees time at the big league level this year. I don't think that's really the plan for him. It's going to be pretty deep into the season, and I would expect once they're ready to place him at an affiliate, he'd probably go to one of the lower-level affiliates first to just kind of continue to get his uh, baseball feet wet, so to speak, and uh, eventually uh, maybe get up to AAA. And if he gets higher than that, it would surprise me a little bit. I don't. I don't expect to see him at Miller Park this year. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, Phil Bickford, also uh, Adam McCalvey, passing on a note about him. According to David Stearns, he is still in Arizona, continuing to uh, do some strengthening exercises and uh, things like that. And they hope to get him to an affiliate at some point uh, in the not too distant future, according to David Stearns. Those are this week's headlines of the week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Range, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for a social media conversation. Now, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, we're doing something that's kind of fun for me. Hopefully, it's fun for you, the listener, as well. It's kind of started organically a couple weeks ago when we had uh, Ashton Rotman on, and then last week we had Scott Warris on, and all of a sudden I realized hey, we're going through all the guys who used to be part of the WTMJ Tripod podcast. And I guess technically it's not gone. It just has not gotten a new episode in a really long time. So now I need to get to uh, the next couple guys. So, And I've been wanting to bring this guy on the podcast anyways because uh, he is also uh, the producer for Brewers Extra Innings, at least for a little while longer. Maybe we'll talk about that in a moment. He is uh, Greg Hill. So when you make me, when you hear me make reference to him on the air, this is the guy I'm making reference to. It's the social media conversation, so I'll tell you he's on Twitter at good underscore guy underscore Greg zero. Greg is with just the one G at the end, not the weird double G thing. Hi, Greg. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, so this is fun. You uh, uh, let's. Let's, I'm going to throw this at you. See, you, 
uh, work with me on an everyday basis, pretty much, during Brewer season, and you are the producer for Brewers Extra Innings, the post-game show that we do on WTMJ. And this is your second year uh, on in that position. So tell people who are listening to this podcast what it's like to produce Brewers Extra Innings. Oh, man, do I have enough time? Probably uh, not. No, it's great. <laughs> I, I absolutely love producing Brewers Extra Innings. You know, I came into TMJ and... Um, BEI was the first show that I actually was able to kind of uh, get my hands dirty with, to say, and kind of put my own spin on it. And uh, having you, Matt, as a host has been great because you've been giving me that freedom to uh, kind of do what I want uh, production-wise. And as long as I make you happy, um, I think that we turn out a good product after every Brewers game. Checks in the mail, by the way. That's it's kind of <laughs> yeah, tough. thanks. Yeah. Tough spot for me to put you in. I'm the guy who hosts the show, and I'm like, so what's it like to work on the show? It's not like you could say anything but good things in this uh, in this position. Oh, I could have said bad things, trust me, but there's nothing bad to say. I promise you that. All right, good stuff. So this Brewers team right now, and it's fun to get your take on it because you pay attention, obviously, to the games on an every-night basis, and then uh, you, you hear from folks. And unfortunately, especially here recently, at times this podcast and the post-game show has kind of become a trying to get people to take a step back off the ledge, uh, so to speak, because of uh, sort of a lot of negativity that goes around. I feel like it started last year when uh, the team really started to go on a run. For whatever reason, I don't think it's unique to Milwaukee or unique to the Brewers. I think we're going to see it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction to the Bucks losing on Saturday night is going to be. But I, I do find it interesting that it seems like a lot of times that maybe that vocal minority tends to be more negative about winning teams than they are about teams that don't have as high of expectations. You know, I think that's interesting, too, because – Teams, fans, sports fans, and we love sports fans because that's why we're in this business. We started as sports fans, so we understand where they come from. And sports fans get spoiled very, very easily. And I think it just takes one deep postseason run like the Brewers had last year and are, quite frankly, in my opinion, posed for this year. But you bring up the Bucks as well. Um, everyone starts to think if they see one thing go wrong, uh, the world starts collapsing around them. And what's unique about baseball is – a lot of people like to start mentioning magic numbers by the end of towards you know the end of the regular season, and I think the biggest magic number to put in place for baseball teams is 162. I mean, this season is longer and unlike anything else that you see in sports, and I believe that. I mean, the Brewers sitting right now at 29 and 24, still five games above 500. They have nothing to worry about. Um, I know there's been some hiccups, uh, but this is a young team. you got to remember, um, with the call-up of Keston Hira coming and uh, everyone was wondering, and Matt, you can attest to this, the narrative for a while, even deep into last year, was what are they going to do in the infield? And finally getting that answer and kind of seeing this youth come together, I think fans, they have the right to be upset, but they also need to keep in mind that uh, this team has a long way to go, and this is a team that was one game away from the World Series last year. Yeah, we're doing this interview on Saturday night. You mentioned the record of 29-24. and 24. If the season ended right now, the Brewers would be a playoff team. They would get into the wildcard game, and they would face off against the Braves in the wildcard game. So this is, this is a playoff team that we're talking about as we speak right now, but I think we can also agree that the team has not played as well as we maybe expect them to play, and there's been some issues. You bring Bring up Keston Hira, and I think this is going to turn into a really interesting storyline here over the next month or so, because when he gets called up, I think they call him up with the idea that get Travis Shaw right, get Keston a taste of the big leagues, and then once Travis Shaw is right again, he comes back, and then you send Keston here back to AAA, but he's back before the season ends, and he's probably a part uh, of, of the home stretch of the season. Travis Shaw isn't doing anything yet on his rehab assignment, and I know technically it's a rehab assignment. He's not actually at AAA, but, you know, here is hitting 270 or so, and Shaw isn't doing a whole lot at AAA. How this whole thing plays out, especially if Shaw's bat doesn't turn back around, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. 
Yeah, I agree. And remember, even like I keep bringing up last year, and I think it's significant in Brewers history just to bring up what a year it was in 2018. Um, a lot of people, I remember fielding a lot of phone calls saying, all right, well, what, what what's AAA look like? When are we calling this guy up? When are we calling this guy up? And, you know, throwing around all these names. And I get the excitement and sort of the... Uh, maybe the enthusiasm you want to put on the young talent, but we got to remember, I mean, Travis Shaw, mayor of Ding Dong City, you got to remember what he did last year, and there's ups and downs in this very, very long sport, and uh, I think that we, you know, it's it's only May, and we've it's, again, we've been saying that all month, and as of right now, it's May for us heading into June, but I do think that there's no panic button. It shouldn't even be looked at right now. Like you said, wild card team if the season did end today. Well, bringing up last year, I think I do it too, and I try not to do it. So somebody will say something, and I'll recall something from last year. And it's quite honestly, it's not even fair to the Brewers for me to always bring up last year. This is a new year, a new team, all that sort of stuff. But where I think it can be helpful is there were times last year where the general belief was, okay, it's done. The Brewers are not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to this. They're not going to that. Season's over. Well, how many times did we hear season's over last year? So now right, when, I, when, I, when I'm – not to cut you off, but when I see the, – the, when I hear the season's over stuff – now, for me, it's really easy to bring back up last year and say, well, how many times did you think the season was over last year? Yeah, and last year, again, a significant year. It shouldn't be forgotten what this team was able to achieve. And uh, I know that there was a lot of factors in with the Cubs having that ridiculous last couple months stretch with all the rainout games. And I remember talking to you, Matt, and we were like, you know, when the season comes to an end, those kind of games are going to add up for a, a team that's really, really talented in the Cubs and maybe a difference maker. And then that made, you know, the talent of the Brewers that much more prevalent. And sure enough, they came in with the win at game 163. What would, uh, so Jimmy Nelson is at AAA now. He's no longer in a rehab assignment. He is actually at AAA. His numbers have been pretty darn good, uh, but there's not really an easy spot just to place him into the starting rotation. And I think the Brewers have a belief at this point that, you know, getting him a few more innings, not at the major league level, can't do anything but help him. David Stearns was very clear when they made the announcement that he would be optioned to AAA, that they expect Jimmy Nelson to be a big contributor to the team this season at the major league level is this something that you think is it's just going to kind of work itself out whether it's injury or whether it's clear that there's somebody that should probably be out of the rotation or is there going to be a point where some type of maybe uncomfortable decision is made where they need to bring up Jimmy Nelson I think if you're in the luxury spot of making that uncomfortable decision, I think it makes it less uncomfortable. Um, I mean, because if you want Jimmy Jimmy Nelson back, um, maybe not force him in because patience is a big deal. And if if our rotation is looking good, as you know, Matt, they've been struggling a little bit um, from what we're used to seeing. So I don't think an uncomfortable position would even be had if it were a luck, you know, if they were in the spot to say, well, if this guy comes up, he's he's taking someone's spot, then in that case, I don't think they rush him back, no. Did uh, So, we're as I mentioned, we're talking on Saturday night. Uh, you've been doing all kinds of buck stuff at the station throughout the day. I assume you saw the Craig Council ejection from Saturday. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. Thoughts? Um, it's, um, I think a lot of Brewers fans, I personally, I loved it. Um, and I think a lot of Brewers fans who are especially really critic, critical of council when they should not be, um, if they saw that and weren't happy, then, I mean, that's just a fan you're just not going to please because after bronze ejection and with council, just, you know, having it up to here as I not you can't see on the radio but point high above my head uh it was good to see a little fire from a uh, craig who i've heard fans uh describe him as sort of I, I don't even know matt help me what would be the right word that fans use to describe craig's kind of demeanor in the in the dugout <sighs> see the, there's that one word <laughs> it, It's it's not aloof because he's certainly not that, but there's a I think there's a feeling sometimes from fans that 
Craig is not as Craig is man. He's a competitor and he wants to win. But I think sometimes there's this feeling that when people see him in the uh, the the dugout, that maybe he's a little bit too laid back for their uh, for their taste. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that's a, a misrepresentation. Is that what? I don't know if that's what you're trying to get out of me or not. That, that's great. And I'm looking up lackadaisical on. I'm trying to look up a synonym for it. And half-hearted comes up. Lukewarm. That's a good one. And um, all of I that don't. All that's like 180 of who he is. Right, and I just, exactly, I was just about to say, that is not accurate at all. Passionless, another one, that's, that is, is, does not even come close to describing who Craig Council is as a manager. It's, it does bring up a scenario, and Tom Hodricourt had a Journal Sentinel uh, column where you know, the, the umpire, uh, Estabrook, who threw him out, did not speak to the media afterwards. He hid behind his crew chief, uh, which was really a disappointing thing. There were so many missed calls. It once again brings to the forefront the question about whether or not there needs two, th- well, really two things. A, should there be robot umpires, and what that means is a, you know, where your strikes are being called uh, via computer and not via an actual human being back there. And then the second thing is just the accountability for umpires because there's this sense out there that these guys, while, yeah, they're probably getting graded, that there's there, there's no accountability, there's no culpability, there's no anything, there are no, no abilities, you know, any word that finishes in that when it comes to umpires. And I think it's frustrating for fans and, you know, uniformed personnel alike. I will tell fans this, and this will be my message to them. If you do advocate for robot robot umpires, I get that. That's fine. But you won't ever see any ejections, and you're not going to see – well, you might see a grown man freak out at a computer. I myself have done it in multiple occasions. But I, there's going to be no human passion, excitement of – and even some gratification, I would even argue, even on counsel's end, of getting in someone's face and just letting them have it. Uh, I think I saw on Twitter today that uh, summed it up pretty well. You can't get thrown from a game twice. That is true. That is – you know, and that's – when Ryan Braun got thrown out, he just kept walking. Man, I would turn back around and I'd get my money's worth. Yeah, once you see that toss, it's like, all right, man, well, you just open the door to uh, let me – Give it really, really give it to you. I guess they get fined. You know, you get you know if if Braun would have turned around and done something, I'm sure the fine would have been greater than what it's going to end up being. But still, I would I'd get my money's worth for uh, if I'm going to get thrown out of a game. And Council gets his money's worth when he gets thrown out. He definitely gets his money's worth more often than not, and probably more so on Saturday than any other time that we've seen. Have you? Do you remember how many times he got thrown out last year? Not many. Uh, so through his time with the Brewers, I think he's at like 15 or 16 total. Uh, so that's that's the number that comes to my mind. Guys don't get thrown out in ba- you know just the way with replay and everything. I feel like managers don't get thrown out as much as they did previously. I would I, last time I looked, I looked sometime last year, and Council was the top in the top third in managers in terms of ejections, and I would assume he still is. That's kind of hard to believe. I mean, I'm just now I'm thinking back. I'm going to name drop here to the times of like Lou Pinella, you know, just even seeing like Rick Renteria like get thrown out a few times. It's just I, it seems rare that he gets he would be in the top three. Yeah, it's it's different. It is it's a different thing uh, these days that uh, these guys just don't get thrown out uh, quite as often. But uh, but that's okay. Oscar that Buck- doesn't happen with that doesn't happen with robot umps. That's all I'm saying is with a robot with a computer telling you how it's going. There, there goes the arguments, and we all know that baseball fans, among everybody, no, loves arguments. This year, uh, the Independent Atlantic League is going to be implementing robot umps. They're actually working with Major League Baseball, and I don't, th- I think that the season has started, but I don't think they have the system in place quite yet. That was the last thing, unless something has changed in the last couple weeks. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting thing to see how that plays out in that league. And if it works out well there, I think it's coming. And you can, you'll still have the home plate umpire because he's still going to be there to, you know, make calls at home plate and things like that. He just won't be calling the balls and the strikes. So we'll call him the punching bag just to yell at? Then? Yes, he's just there to, <laughs> uh, to, be, uh, to be yelled at. All right, before we get you out of here, because you've been doing Buck stuff uh, much of the day today, how disappointed are you with the Bucks uh, season ended uh, and the way it ended uh, where they blew some leads uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, it's it's hard to wrap up into one. I think it's still sort of digesting with Bucks fans. Um I've been listening to Justin Garcia's uh, post-game show, and uh, fans seem, at least the fans that called in, seem pretty lighthearted. They, I mean, they're upset, but they know that 
you know, this is a team that's going to be around in the playoffs for a while. And, I mean, if you remember, I mean, just think about how I, was, I saw a picture of Giannis when he was drafted, I think yesterday or the day before, and I was like, my God, look how young he yeah. looks. And look what he's turned into now. So, I mean, if he has that work ethic to become easily, and at least in my opinion, the league MVP and pi- quite possibly defensive player of the year, if he can turn that into that short of time, give him one more offseason of just a taste of what it's just being so close to the NBA Finals. This guy's going to come back, and he's going to come out swinging, and he'll have the playmakers around him to do it too. You mentioned Justin Garcia, so he and I share a desk at the WTMJ Studios, a desk that neither of us really ever, ever, ever use. But he has a poster up, and maybe that's what you were seeing. He has a poster up that I think the Bucks gave away a few years back and showed a picture of Giannis when he was drafted, and then it showed another picture of him like a few years later where he'd grown a few inches and just how different he looked. They could redo that poster and then put a third Giannis, the Giannis of today, and it would look completely different as well. The, I mean, he just... It, it's not just him looking so different from when he was drafted. It's him looking really different from a couple years after he was drafted. Maturity, I think, 100%. I mean, you go through the league and you have this kind of this kind of run when you're this young, too. I mean, it, everyone talks about growing pains. You know, Kobe, MJ, all these greats in the NBA have gone through it. And we will remember this series come time when Giannis is uh, hoisting an NBA trophy. All right, we got some Bucks talk in here on a Brewers podcast because everybody's talking Bucks. He is uh, Greg Love Hill. It. He's uh, you're, you're not going to be my uh, full time producer. I, I'm a, uh, I can, I'm not like. Am I uh, saying anything that I'm not supposed to say here? No, it's common knowledge now. I believe that's not embargoed or all right, anything. All right, but so I think people have seen the expanded lineup that's going to be coming to uh, WTMJ's uh, sister station, 94.5 ESPN-FM. And Greg is leaving the WTMJ side of things, sort of. I think he'll still be around a little bit. But he's not going to be the everyday uh, producer for Brewers Extra Innings anymore, it doesn't seem. Uh, instead, he's going to be uh, doing some weekday shows uh, over on uh, ESPN. So that's... That's good for you, Greg. It's sad for me. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. But let me just say right now, A, there's no way I'm done producing Brewers Extra Innings. It may not be on an everyday basis, but it, it I'm not finished. If anything, I'll force myself or I'll kick someone out and, and produce a show for once in a while. And with that being said, now that you've invited me onto this podcast, I believe that opens up my opportunity to turn on the mic on a Brewers Extra Innings. So if anything, I'll uh, maybe sit in and uh, crash a show for you. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Oh, there's my there's my permission, folks. There it, here. it is on, unless I edit that out before I uh, publish right. the podcast. All right, Greg, good stuff. Follow him on Twitter at uh, good. It's good guy Greg zero, but there's underscores between the uh, the good and the guy and the guy and the Greg. So it's good underscore guy underscore Greg zero. I made that a lot more complicated than it I needs need to be. A better radio Twitter handle. I think that's what we've all learned today. Yes. Uh, have you? Um, that was your. You just got on Twitter fairly recently, though. So that was uh, that was your original Twitter handle. Yeah, that's. I haven't changed it. I'm think. Let's see. In June, I believe that'll be my one year bout with Twitter. I July actually. It says July. join July 2018. See, you know better than that. There's your fact check right there. I'm looking Thank at your Twitter account. I don't even know when I got on Twitter. I'm gonna look. I I joined let, in April of 2012. Let me tout. That my first follow on Twitter was Matt Pauley on air. How about that? That's just a humble brag. I'm just going to come out and say it. My first follow on Twitter was Matt Pauley on air. I uh, forget it. So the this uh, I I don't think they, she's not the sideline reporter. I'll say the the in rink reporter for yeah. the Nashville Predators on their broadcast on Fox Sports Nashville or Fox Sports Tennessee, whatever it is. Uh, she is someone, her name is Kara Hammer, and we worked together in Colorado Springs. We did high school sports broadcast together. She was my sideline reporter on uh, high school football games that we did on a local television station in Colorado Springs, and I was her first follow on uh, Twitter as well. So you and Kara Hammer of the Nashville Predators are the two people that their first follows were me. Never forget your first, Matt. There you go. All right, Greg, thank you for doing this. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Uh, We'll uh, talk to you for the rest of the season. I'm not going anywhere. Don't you worry.
The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Uh, We start our second trip back through uh, all the various uh, team broadcasters for the Brewers and minor league affiliates, and that means we welcome back onto the program for the second time this season the voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. He is Chris Maring. Chris, it's always good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you very much. Now, you are, uh, you're actually in Davenport, Iowa with the team right now because you're playing a series that the Timber Rattlers are against the uh, Quad Cities River Bandits. When I was working in the Midwest League, the team that I was broadcasting for, it was a commuter trip to Davenport, so we never actually stayed there overnight. Is uh, is Davenport just this happening city where there's all kinds of stuff for you to do in the evening? Um, actually, you know, uh, we used to stay out uh, away from the ballpark, but now we kind of stay downtown, and it's actually pretty nice. The only thing that's bad is that the, the hotel moved down here the same year that they got rid of the riverboat and moved the casino like way up out of town so uh i guess i save on meal money that way all right fair enough how's uh there there was a lot of flooding earlier that was affecting things there is it back to normal now uh it is not uh the uh there was talk last week about how the river's flood stages might actually force the river bandits to move this series up to wisconsin or someplace else so uh, here we are on Memorial Day weekend, and uh, this is only the second series that Quad Cities have had at home this season. Um, that's how bad the flooding has been down here. So, I mean, there's still water on the pathways, and it's still pretty close to the stadium, but uh, a few years ago they put up some flood protection walls that keeps the water out and keeps the bullpen, uh, or keeps the, uh, the, uh, the stadium from getting flooded and wrecking all of that. So, I mean, the, the, the field is in good condition, the stadium's in good condition, it's just that everything around it is just kind of wet and uh, muddy. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into the team a little bit, and uh, this past week was a little bit of an up-and-down week. Uh, pretty good series against Peoria, where uh, the team won three in a row at one point. It was a five-game series because of a doubleheader and uh, won the middle three games while losing uh, the two bookends. I know a lot of times these conversations, we don't focus so much on, on wins and losses. We focus more on some of the individuals. But how do you like the way the team is playing right now? I, you know, it's it's um, they're, they're playing fine. I mean, they, they, we played 10 games in seven days, 10 games in eight days uh, from last Sunday to this Sunday. And they're five and five and five or four and six in those games. So um, they lost... Uh, a couple of really tough games in Burlington on the last day of a series uh, got rained out on a Saturday, had to play a doubleheader on getaway day and got walked off in both games. But uh, that was after uh, the Friday night comeback where they were down nine to one going into the eighth inning and they fought and they wound up winning 14 to nine. Um, and that, uh, that comeback is one of the best things I've ever seen um, in, in my time with the Timber Rattlers. Uh, it was the biggest comeback since 2005 in the team. And it's just kind of what the team plays like. Um, they may not win, but they're going to fight and scrap right down to the last uh, last possible second. Like today, they were down eight to three in the uh, in the sixth inning uh, against uh, the River Bandits, and there were two outs and nobody on. And all of a sudden, the bases were loaded. They walked in a run, and they had the tying run at the plate. Uh, couldn't do anything with it, but. I mean, the, the way that this team plays is is just really encouraging, um, you know. And and I think um, there are a lot of really good teams in the Midwest League right now. Um, so we'll see how the, the the wins come, but the effort is always there, and that's never that's never going to be a question with this team. And and I really like that about them. How much of that is a reflection on manager Matt Erickson? Um, I think Matt has a lot to do with that, but I also think that the, the every guy that I've talked to about it this season and even just in conversation they will just bring up without me even having to ask about it about the the chemistry of the team and how they all push each other and how they're all pulling for each other and uh, and trying to you know do really well uh and and to see the team concept come together it's great I mean Matty has been here he knows I mean he's he's seen all these guys uh, either at instructs or in spring training for a while and he knows how they play and he knows what to expect and 
I mean, the the thing that tipped him off that the Rattlers were going to go down swinging in that game against Burlington last week uh, was um, the first out of the eighth inning was Bryce Terang with a routine ground ball to short to second base. He busted it down the line, and they only got him by like half a step. And Matt's going, oh, I guess we're not done yet. So um, it's it's just so much fun to see um, Maddie uh, work with these guys and Jim Henderson and Dave Joppe and, and the whole staff work with these guys and, and try to get better every day. All right, you mentioned uh, Bryce Terang, and you look at his numbers right now, and he's at 309. That's the best average on, on the team. I know the Brewers like to leave guys uh, at, a, at a level for a while, but sometimes when it comes to the high-level prospects, they're looking to push them forward. You've been doing this for a while. You've seen how the Brewers tend to do things. Are we getting to a point yet with Terang where the conversation probably is going to start of when do you move him out of uh, the Timber Rattlers and up to Carolina? I I don't think that's going to happen like anytime soon. Um, he has had uh, he had a 13 game hitting streak earlier this season. He just had a 12 game hitting streak snap. Um, he is just, uh, you know, he's still trying to figure some things out going between short and second. Uh, you know, he's switching every day with Jason Coca, or not every day, but, you know, like he'll play a series at second and he'll play a series at short. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Brewers will push uh, a high school kid to Carolina unless he is, like, really exceptional, like, uh, you know, hitting, uh, you know, leading the league in hitting or, or really uh, showing the command of the strike zone. I mean, that Bryce Terang has, but um, I, I just don't want to really think about them moving him up this early. I mean, it's, it's just Memorial day right yeah. now, but I think, you know, if, if things happen like later in the season, um, you know, I think probably the most, you know, the, the most comparable guy would be, you know, Brett Laurie from my first or the first year with the Brewers in 2009, he didn't get moved up to Brevard County until late August. Um, Tristan Lutz last year, he struggled in April. He didn't have his, he had a, he had a horrible start in April and May, but he really came around and he stayed with the Rattlers all last year. And both of those guys were basically high school guys, much like Bryce Terang is. So I I think Bryce is going to be around for a while yet, uh, especially based on how well Carolina is playing right now. Um, and and what they have up there. What, what you talk about him playing shortstop in second? Do you do you feel like one of those two positions is a, a stronger or better suit for him? Um, you know what uh, the the Brewers have kind of worked on that positionless baseball where they've had guys play all three spot or two spots. I mean, Antonio Pinheiro and Jason Coca have played uh, second, short, and third this season. Uh, Terang has played mostly second, some short. Um, he seems to be a little bit uh, more comfortable at second, but he has made some amazing plays at short this season. I mean, he had a diving uh, catch of a line drive in the hole on, on today uh, in in uh, against the River Bandits that I don't think a lot of guys get to. So I, I think, uh, you know, if he can play both, uh, that's great. And, uh, you know, versatility is the key at this position uh, or at this time in his in, at this stage in anyone's career in the minor leagues. Every time we talk, it seems like every conversation we've had, as long as I've been doing this podcast, we've talked about the catchers with the Timber Rattlers, and we talked about them in our first conversation, and here we are again. You look at David Fry, you look at Brent Diaz, and this team is continuing to get really good play out of their catchers. Yeah, um, there's a the, um, Kyle Loebner uh, and Jay Grzynski pointed this out to me the other day. They were playing around with some tools in the uh, in on a on a on a stat site, and they found out that the Timber Rattlers catchers lead the Midwest League in hitting, and it's not by a small margin. I think Timber Rattlers catchers as a team or as is when when Fry catches and isn't playing first or or DHing and, and Diaz, I think they're they're hitting a combined like. Three almost 300 and the next closest team next closest team was like about 250 or something like that so you know and and it's just amazing um all of the great catchers that have come through um that have gone on um to you know in in the system and gone on to be all-stars in the midwest league i think the rattlers have had an all-star catcher every year since 2015 dating back to uh, carlos leal and then we had max mcdowell and then mario feliciano and then Peyton Henry, and, and now I think David Fry has a real good shot uh, based on 
what he can do at the plate and uh, what he has done uh, behind the plate too. I mean, he he had a chance the other day to throw out uh, three runners stealing second base in the same inning on two four putouts, and if it wouldn't have been for a uh, a slightly missed call by the base umpire, I think it would have done it. So, but uh, just just to watch him play, uh, it's just been amazing. Uh, he just hit his twentieth double of the season today, uh, leads the league in that category. He uh, is on a seventeen game hitting streak now, which was which is one of the longest in Timber Rattlers history, and it's the longest in the Midwest League right now. And uh, he's just a he's a college pitcher or a college uh, hitter that came in and uh, he just hit the ground running here in the Midwest League and hasn't stopped yet. What point do you think in the Midwest League? We've talked about this before. Where you know early on in the season, so there's some cold weather and it's still not warm in, in a lot of places. We've dealt with some still some chilly weather in Wisconsin, and uh, you've got the situation sometimes where you got some you know guys who. Uh, were you know nineteen year olds who are going up against guys who were four year college guys. At what point in the year do you feel like, for lack of a better term, things kind of normalize out in the Midwest League? If that makes sense. Oh, I think it's right around that time right now, uh, right around Memorial Day. I mean, the weather has finally gotten warm. Uh, we were in the we were in the forties last week at home for that first couple of games against Peoria. Uh, I mean, that that doubleheader last Tuesday was. Both games took nearly three hours, and they were only supposed to be seven innings. And it was it was like forty degrees by the end of the game. So, um, but now I think everybody has seen everybody at least once. Um, we the only place that we haven't been yet has been uh, Kane County, and that's coming up on our next road trip. So I mean, and Cedar Rapids. That's I'm sorry, Cedar Rapids is later on in the in the half, but. I think now that we've seen all of the teams in the Midwest League, everybody's kind of got an idea of what everybody can do. And uh, I think right about right around now is when everything starts to kind of fall into fall into place for everybody. The thing that jumps out to me on the stat sheet right now with the pitching is there's three guys who are really just taking the ball every fifth day. You've got Scott Sonich, Adam Hill, Aaron Ashby. They all have at least seven starts each. They've all thrown at least 41 innings this year. Uh their their numbers are okay. We can we can break that down a little bit. But what does it say about those guys that right now there's something to be said for just being able to take that ball every fifth day? And the Timber Rattlers have three guys who can do that. Yeah, I mean, they, and they all love to compete. They all love to get out there, and they all approach the game differently. I mean, Scotty Sunich is a left-hander. Uh, he seems to work a little better with guys on base. I mean, he is taking the ball every fifth day. He's not going very deep into games because he's throwing a lot of pitches, but. Um, I just like the way he gets after it, and he's got he's got a great attitude uh, to keep everybody loose. Um, you know, Adam Hill threw an amazing game on Saturday night. He threw seven innings. He gave up a first inning run and then shut it down the rest of the way um, for the Rattlers' win in this series so far. And uh, it was his longest outing as a professional. And uh, I think you know we we talked a lot about. Brewer trades that have been absolute steals. I know we've talked a lot about the Tyler Thornburg trade, uh, but this trade uh, the Brewers made to get Adam Hill from uh, the Mets for Keon Broxton is might go down as a pretty good one too. Because I mean Broxton's with the Orioles now, and Adam Hill is pitching extremely well in the Midwest League, and you know kind of uh, trending upwards and. Aaron Ashby is just uh, an amazing talent. Uh, he is among the league leaders in strikeouts. Uh, his ERA is a little bit up there because I, w- I was talking to Jim Nelson about this on, on a, my own podcast uh, for a for a between games interview for one of the doubleheaders last week, and he said that you know eventually that ERA is going to match the stuff. Obviously, the strikeouts do. Um, it's just that once in a while, Aaron gets into a little bit of trouble and uh, winds up getting hit pretty hard. But once that comes around, um, it's it's going to be so fun to watch him go up the system and uh, and and make some noise that way. Just a sidebar too on that Keon Broxton trade. It also involved Bobby Wall, who while is out this year, is considered a top thirty prospect and is going to be a big part of the Brewers bullpen moving forward. So uh, we can take your point even one step further uh, with the. 
hope slash assumption that he's going to uh, certainly turn into uh, something pretty good uh, moving forward. Uh, the guy who jumps off from an ERA standpoint out of the bullpen at this point is uh, Michael Mediavilla. 11 games so far, 14 and two-thirds innings, has a 1.23 ERA. There's other guys who've got sub-two uh, ERAs. Max Lazar is a guy who, uh, when I was talking with Brad Ford on uh, this podcast a couple weeks ago, he was somebody who really wa- wanted to talk about. Uh, these guys Guys who have sub two ERAs, and I guess Lazar has been starting a little bit as well, and I'm more focusing on the bullpen. But Mediaville, uh, th- this guy so far, it looks like he's putting up pretty good numbers. Yeah, um, he has also been shut down for a couple of weeks. Uh, he uh, just threw a live BP the other day here in Quad City. So he's going to either have a live BP when we get home or an extended bullpen session when we get home, and they're they're hoping that he's going to be active again. Uh, later this week, but uh, he is uh, a veteran college pitcher out of uh, Miami, you know, a big-time program. He's got a little bit of a a deceptive delivery that throws teams off and hitters off, and uh, when he is on the mound and healthy and ready to go, um, I don't see him not carrying that forward. And, And Max is also kind of on the shutdown right now. Um, they're just kind of watching his innings. Uh, he should be back uh, soon, they hope. Uh, uh, there's talk about him possibly being an all-star. He was in a tandem with Reese Olsen, so he was starting and relieving in, t- in uh, alternating games with, with Olsen there for a while. So, But Max, I mean, right before he went down, he was pitching extremely well um, and uh, should be back soon as well. Chris, as we start to wrap up, if folks want to consume the broadcast, and there's lots of reasons to be excited about this Timber Rattlers roster and the different guys who uh, are on it and the guys who are going to uh, be on it in the future, just it always seems like uh, the, the Timber Rattlers are more one of the more compelling rosters for various reasons throughout the Brewer system. But all that being said, if uh, somebody wants to take in the broadcast or if they want to see the feed on uh, MILB TV, whatever it might be, how can people do that? Right, uh, we're on the TuneIn app. Just go to the look for search for Timber Rattlers on the TuneIn app, or go to TimberRattlers dot com, and uh, you can just click on the listen to the broadcast there. Uh, there's some links there. Um, you can uh, watch on MILB TV as well. Uh, our home games are on. Um, that's me on the call, and then um, most of the teams in the Western Division and the Eastern Division have MILB TV as well. So even when the Rattlers are on the road, you can kind of watch the team uh, i don't know if the uh the computer audio with me syncs up but if you want to do like i do for packer games and turn down the national guys and listen to wayne and rock but uh that that's how you can listen uh you know and then we've also got the post-game podcast after the home games and uh, the rattler radio blog has everything before, before games uh, before every game on the on the for the timber Rattlers. and team is ready for uh, manny pena to come in for uh, four days beginning on tuesday yeah, we, that was a, that was a little bit of a surprise this morning. Uh, I just checked my, uh, I saw something on uh, Twitter on the Timber Rattlers account that we got tagged with something, and it was Tom Hardercourt announcing that uh, that Craig Council had said he's going to be up for four days. So, I mean, we got Manny Pena for four days coming up, starting on Tuesday at Neuroscience Group Field at Fox City Stadium, and it, uh, hopefully the weather's going to be great and everybody can come out and enjoy some Tim Rowley's baseball. Yeah, the Brewers are on the road this week, so if Brewers fans want to make the trip up to Appleton, what's the best way to get tickets? Uh, just go to TimberRellers.com. The phone number is also 800-WI-TIMBER or 733-4152 with the area code at 920. And also, um, also forgot to mention uh, this too, Matt, that on uh, Saturday and Sunday we will be on in the Milwaukee area on my 24. So our games are going to be televised on free TV down in Milwaukee on Saturday and Sunday, and that's going to be every Saturday and Sunday home game for the rest of the season. And for fans in northeastern Wisconsin, it will be on CW14. So uh, you you can't help but watch Timber Rattlers Baseball or listen to Timber Rattlers Baseball if you're listening to this podcast right now. You know, I love it when you guys do that. And uh, when I'm sitting uh, for road for Brewers Road Games, when I sit in the WTMJ studios, we have multiple TVs in the studio, so I'm able to have one screen with the Brewers game and one screen with the Timber Rattlers game, and it's fantastic. Yep, we're happy to do that. Hey, last thing for you, and this is not uh, Timber Rattlers related, but uh, obviously this is a big story in Wisconsin, and uh, up you're geographically close to Green Bay, and I know you're a, you're a fan of the Packers. Bart Starr passed away uh, on um, on Sunday at the age of 85. 
I, I know this is a total off-the-wall thing to ask you, but when you think of Bart Starr and what he has meant to uh, to Packers fans and really the state of Wisconsin, what comes to mind? Uh, just the, the class that he has. Um, you know, I, I, my, I grew up and he was just taking over as the coach of the Packers. Uh, those were like my earliest memories. Um, and he did not have great teams, but he always was, um, you know, tried to work with what he had. And uh, my my dad and my grandpa uh, really talked with a lot of reverence about him as the quarterback um, with the Packers in the glory years. And he was a great man. And even after he, you know, was fired by the Packers, he still considered the Packers his team. And, uh, you know, I think the, the best memory uh, in Wisconsin sports uh, in the last couple of years was him and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers at halftime of the game uh, against the Bears a couple of years ago. And that was that was really special, and that's how I'll remember Bart Starr. Chris, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right, you bet, Matt. Thank you. Chris Marion joining us here on the podcast. Certainly appreciate him uh, taking a little bit of time. I didn't mention this when uh, when I was actually talking to him, but if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do so at C Marion. C-M-E-H-R-I-N-G is where you can find Chris on Twitter. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Extra is the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Here's what's coming up this week for the crew. They've got a quick two-game series in Minnesota starting on Monday. 6-10 first pitch on Monday, 7-10 on Tuesday. They will take Wednesday off, and then they will begin a four-game series in Pittsburgh against the Pirates. That will go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Their next home game is not going to be until Tuesday, June 4th, when they take on the Miami Marlins. And uh, they'll have a homestand against both Miami and Pittsburgh coming up, but that's going to be uh, a little ways out. We'll talk more about that on next week's podcast. I want to thank uh, Greg Hill for joining the podcast, WTMJ Brewers Extra Innings producer, uh, Greg Hill. And I also want to say thank you to uh, Chris Marion and thank you to you for uh, being tuned in this week. We look forward to talking to you next week for another edition of Brewers X-Trains, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.